everybody. Welcome to Rachel's Reviews and the Hidden Gems Podcast. And we are here to talk about Hulu. This is only our second episode that we've done on Hulu. And I'm film critic Rachel Wagner and Ryan is here. Uh, hey, Rachel. So great to be back with you once again. And this is an exciting week for me. Uh, I won't go too deep into things of my personal life because this is, we're about, we're, we're having fun here. But a lot of good things happening for me. The Bush Clash is tonight. We're filming this on a Tuesday. So the Bush Clash is on tonight. So NASCAR is finally uh, finally getting started. I've never really been that much of a, of a football fan, honestly. So whenever the Super Bowl comes around, I'm like, one week till the Daytona 500. <laughs> and, and that's like the big sporting event that I watch every year, no matter how long it goes and the recent Daytona 500s have felt like they've lasted my entire life. They started like three o'clock and they end at like eight or nine because, you know. Oh yeah, they go that long. Oh yeah, they got to fill that commercial time. (laughs) And my dad has this conspiracy theory that Bill France, who runs the, uh, who runs NASCAR, has a secret red button who's like, you got to go to a caution now. Someone's got a wreck. We got to sell more commercials. And whenever a big wreck does happen, he's like, France pushed the button. And I'm like, there is no button, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking, looking forward to the NASCAR season starting up. But today, we're not talking about NASCAR. We're talking about Hulu. Yes, uh, we're talking about Hulu. And like I said, this is only our second episode that we've done on Hulu. So we've, we've not given it enough attention here in Hidden Jumps. Yeah, well, we're going to fix that today. That's right. And they really have a lot of good stuff on Hulu. They have a lot of uh, television series plus movies, and uh, they get new films. They have uh, originals. They have all kinds of stuff, and uh, it's a really good service. Yeah, they got Parasite on there. That's worth the price of buying mm-hmm. it by itself. And yeah. And I was scrolling through it last night and I was like, there's Seinfeld on there. And I had to do a double take because I thought Seinfeld was going to the Peacock Network or maybe it's an eventually or... Oh, I did too. You never know with these streaming services. But right now you can get... You can get Hulu in the bundle with ESPN and Disney Plus for $11.99 a month. And that's a great deal. That's a a crazy deal. You, You got something for everyone. You got... Yeah. For the kids, you got ESPN for dad and you got Hulu for mom or mm-hmm. whatever arrangement that goes. All right. <laughs> and uh, it's the price of one movie theater ticket to, to get all three of those services. It's pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. When I worked at my local theater, a regular ticket was 1085. So just yeah. like for three services, it's like, meeting it about the same so yeah pretty good deal Mm -hmm. and so we'll be excited to talk about five of our what we call hidden gems in in this show we try to dig a little bit deeper and pick movies that we think aren't like the big marquee titles uh, and get you to dive into more of these streaming services we'd love to hear your choices and ryan why don't you start us off what's your first choice all right so my first choice is a tv show it's from the it's from the late 1980s it was produced by steven spielberg and it's relatively it's relatively famous the it it's hidden gem status is kind of in question but i wanted to talk about it it's the original the animaniacs i say the original because there is now a remake which is on hulu right now so i just wanted to distinguish 
haven't seen the remake, so I can't really comment. But I, all I know is that I've seen a lot of the original, and it is fantastic. The main premise is that there are these three siblings, and uh, they're Wacko, Yakko, and... Oh, I can't remember the other sibling's name, but they're, they're the Warner siblings, and they just cause all kinds of havoc on the Warner Brothers set. And, there's, and, and the show is kind of like... If I had to best describe the original Animaniacs, it's like the next evolution of the Looney Tunes. It's, it's, they're from the same company, but like Looney Tunes, they, their humor was more geared towards that particular time, like 40s, 50s, stuff like that. Animaniacs was geared humor for more for like the late 80s and the early 90s. There are a lot of 80s and 90s references in this show, I'll just say that. What makes the show good is that this is a show for kids and like younger adults, but at the same time, it's a show that doesn't like talk down to the kids. They're like, here, throw some kid stuff on the screen. They'll laugh at anything. It's like, no, they actually put time and effort into writing the jokes. And even though the jokes in hindsight are pretty adult, I'll say that, they still hold up and I think I think most kids either will just, it'll just fly over their heads or kids later will be like either, wow, I can't believe I laughed at that or, oh my God, how did I not laugh at that when I was a kid? Uh, there were several other sketches attached to the Animaniacs, the, the, the uh, Warner siblings. There was Pinky in the Brain, who was my favorite part of Animaniacs, where it's like, gee, Brain, what are we gonna do today? Same thing we always do, Pinky take over the world and they never do but it's amazing that they try and there are these and there are these two squirrels on there i cannot remember their names now brain fart today but they're really funny as well one of them was either a former actor or an opera singer and she's kind of bitter about it now and a lot of opera and humor related related jokes there and and she also made a she also made it Kind of a joke at Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert and one episode they were called Seskel and Egbert so getting around the old name thing but this show is this show is really good it was one of the it was one of the anchor shows on the um on the Fox Kids block from like 1993 to like into the 2000s and it's still fondly remembered by most people today so much so that there was a remake and if you only know this show for the uh, for the thing where like there's the United States, Canada, Africa, and like like the geography song, that's really good. But there's a lot more to the show that I think you all should check out. Yes, I absolutely love Animaniacs. I, this was kind of peak in I was at like just the right time uh, for this show uh, to really enjoy the show. And I, it's so funny. It's so creative. The animation is so brilliant. The voice work is so good. I have been very nervous about watching the remake. I've heard some good things. I've heard some not good things. I don't know. I'll check it out one of these days. But yeah, all those things that you said, I really love. I, I, I love all the skits and thinking in the brain and this and the um, Slappy and Skippy Squirrel. So both, fun. both of the squirrels' names. And yeah. I, I so much trouble trying. <laughs> and uh, I, I just love all of of Animaniacs. It's so funny. 
uh, that and, you know, Tiny Toons uh, were really big for me uh, in, uh, in, uh, they, they were really the that and tiny the tiny tunes were really big for me uh and i i was like right around uh like 14 15 when they came out so it was like perfect age for that kind of like subversive silly uh humor and i still really enjoy it i enjoyed it then uh so that's a great choice for sure and if if anybody hasn't seen it you definitely need to watch Animaniacs it's best I actually have all four seasons on DVD so <laughs> uh, all right well my first choice uh, is going to be a romantic choice because I decided for all five of my choices to pick romantic movies because I thought with Valentine's that would be fun and uh, I, I don't know this one is definitely maybe not really a gem <laughs> So I don't know. I debated. Uh, it's it's pretty well beloved and well loved, but I still want to talk about it. Uh, so we're going to talk about You've Got Mail. And I love Nora Ephron. I love her writing. I think even maybe her not as good as successful movies, there's still a lot to be said about her scripts and how she's able to weave in these little diatribes into her uh stories very seamlessly and then you end up laughing and uh like for instance in you've got mail when she has uh joe fox talk about the uh the this the confidence that you get from ordering in starbucks like that's kind of because she originally Nora Ephron was a essay writer and she would write these brilliant essays you should get her books on essays are so good and you can kind of feel that in her scripts that she would have these little essays these little kind of things commentary and she would weave them in very effort effortlessly and make you laugh and and i think you've got mail has an, such an incredible cast of course uh tom and meg had the incredible chemistry uh but you had dave Chappelle in there you have uh um piper piper posey you had um uh, greg kinnear hilarious gene stapleton so funny just such a great cast and there's so many scenes it's one of in my opinion one of the most quotable movies that i've ever seen i always like i just love uh, I love it so much. It's one of my all-time favorite films. And uh, so, yeah, that's, I just love, I love You've Got Mail. I just can imagine the marketing campaign because, you know, AOL was big and their, and their catchphrase was, You've Got Mail. And so right. I, I, it would have been just a mistaken opportunity if they, they hadn't been like, coming this summer, Tom yeah. Hanks. Meg Ryan in You've Got Mail. <laughs> yeah. You need quiet while the hot dog is singing. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the, uh, the, uh, when she says, Patricia makes coffee nervous. And uh, if I knew you, I would buy you a, a bouquet of newly sharpened pencils. And I don't know. I just love it so much. I love the script so, so much. But do you have, do you have a f favorite of those, uh, like Sleepers in Seattle, you've got mail, like those kinds of, kinds of movies? I got to admit, I really haven't seen that many of them. Honestly, 
I guess if I had to choose one by default, I'd have to choose Julie and Julia because she wrote the screenplay oh, for yeah. that. But, and, and I think that's really good. But outside mm-hmm. of that, I haven't really seen all that much of her stuff. And I really want to, but it just, it's one of those things that just kind of is a, yeah. is a whole. Hmm. You haven't seen You Got Mail then, huh? No. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so what do you have next? So my next choice is another animated cartoon show, except while Animaniacs was a product of the 90s, this show is very much a product of the mid-1980s. It is the original Thundercats. I say the original because this show got a remake in 2011, which is also underrated that I hope to talk about at a later date. And then it also got a hand, or not a hand-drawn, but a 3D animated remake called Thundercats Roar, which was not very good. We're talking about the original from 1985. And Thundercats, it tells the story of this group of, well, well, Thundercats, that's, that's their group name. Uh, they come from the planet of Thundera, which was destroyed in an attack by, uh, by Mumra, the Ever-Living. And in, in a desperate escape, several of their members, including the king of the Thundercats, Lionel, escape to a planet and they establish a new Thundera. But their, but their, their evil enemy, Mumra, ch- it chases after them. And this is a very cheesy show. There is no getting around it. I, I do love it, but I recognize that it is very much a product of its time. There's no... There's no if, ands, or buts about whose side is on who. The Thundercats are clearly on the side of good. They're, they shout at the top of their lungs, Thunder, 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 Thundercats, oh! And then there's Mumra, who's like, Ancient spirits of evil, transform this decayed body to Mumra the ever-living. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you need to go ahead and drink the water. <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> Joking on my evil. <laughs> anyway, this show is very much, it's very much good versus evil, and there's no, like, ambiguity there. It is very much a product of, we need to sell toys, and this is, and this is very much how. And, like, the same vein as like My Little Pony or Gem of the, Gem and the Holograms and G.I. Joe and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But at the same time, I love the crap out of this show. I really do. I love the character designs. I love the hand-drawn animation. This was developed by Rankin Bass, who also did the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer movie that everybody loves. And, uh, and they also did the original The Lord of the Rings movie directed by Ralph Bakshi which people don't really know that all that much about. And like I said, this is definitely a very cheesy show. It's not going to change the world in terms of storytelling, but it's fun in it it's it's definitely mid-80s fun and I do recommend I do recommend it for that reason. Well, I had I've never seen it and I had no idea there were three different versions of it. No idea. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's honestly new every day. Honestly, you can make a movie about the history of this series being being rebooted and canceled. Yeah, and rebooted who and knew? Canceled. Yeah, well, so my next choice is also from the 80s. And it is a film called Girls Just Want to Have Fun. 
And this star, Sarah Jessica Parker and Helen Hunt, uh, is young teenagers. And they are uh, really excited because there is this dance competition and they are going to gonna go and try to be on this dance competition. It's very similar to Hairspray. Uh, and this is the kind of movie that I would uh, watch what I would call as a sleepover movie. Like it's silly. It's not like a great movie, but it's romantic and it's fun and, and uh, it's about dancing. And those usually are, are kind of the, the main qualifications of a, of a sleepover movie. It usually is involved dancing or sk ice skating. It's usually romantic and it's about teenage girls. And so that's what I would watch with my friends when we'd have a sleepover. And this is definitely one of those ones. And it's, it's got a lot of fun music. It's, it's, just, it's just cute. Does this have anything to do with Cindy Lauper who did yeah. the song? Yes. The song is in the movie. <laughs> if it wasn't in there, then that would be just like, it was like you had one job. Just right. the one to get girls just want to have fun because around this time it was like Cindy Lauper was like the biggest thing in music and so to have a movie called that and have her song not in that is like having the movie Footloose but not the title track Footloose in there it's like something yeah. is missing from this equation it wouldn't it wouldn't make no sense <laughs> and uh, it's just a silly ridiculous movie that I, I i enjoy i mean i think that hairspray is probably more subversive because it's john waters and and uh, it has divine and other things in it that kind of make it a little bit more subversive but and it was also set in the 60s versus this is set in the 80s uh but uh if you like a cheesy dance movie from the 1980s with Sarah Jessica Parker and Helen Hunt, then this is your jam. <laughs> yeah, can't go wrong with uh, John Travolta and Drag and Christopher Walken doing a dance number together. Yeah, well, that's the that's the musical version of Hairspray. I, I, I don't know if you knew, so the, the there's the original movie called Hairspray with Ricky Lake mm -hmm. uh, and Divine, and it's not, a, not really a musical, and really? they yeah directed by john waters who's like a cult, kind of cult director and then they that was from the 80s and then the people doing the musical made the musical off of the uh, uh the broadway musical off of the movie from the 80s and then they made movie off of the broadway musical so Wow, talk about the more you know. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. I I just knew hairspray as being the being the good morning Baltimore yeah. like that, <laughs> that movie. And there's like Yeah, that's all from the musical based on the movie. Yeah. So and it's a pretty good uh pretty good movie, the uh, the original. But anyway. So what's your next pick? So my next pick and uh Bit of a hard left. We're going from a uh, from mid eighties, like like mid eighties stuff, like girls just want to have fun. To to late nineties Nicolas Cage movie. It's Con Air. Uh, this was directed by Simon West, who is uh, who is primarily known for directing the uh, the one Lara Croft movie that everybody remembers for having Angelina Jolie in it, and also this. 
and a movie and the movie tells the story of a um of a man named Cameron Poe played by Nicolas Cage doing a terrible southern accent who was framed for a crime that he did not commit however he made parole and he is on his way home he is on his way home on a plane with like five or ten members of the uh, of the maximum security ward along with a cannibal they're all on a plane and the biggest like and the biggest snake of them all is is this guy named Cyrus the virus played by John Malkovich I think you can pretty much imagine what happens next they take over the plane with Cameron Poe having to fight them all off and try and land the plane safely uh, the mid the late 90s was a different kind of like different time for action movies like they were very over the top and like not not as cheesy as the 80s but there were some side effects of it but basically everyone was everyone saw the rock from 95 and are like let's try and be that and this and con air is one of the products of that with that mm -hmm. said though I have a lot of fun with this movie. I mean, God bless Nicolas Cage. He can be a good actor, won an Oscar for leaving Las Vegas. He knows what he's doing, but man, he cannot do a Southern accent to save his life. <laughs> like, like, and, and John Malkovich is Cyrus the Virus. He's always a lot of fun and he's, he's, peak, he's peak John Malkovich where he talks like this, like he is trying to enunciate every consonant that he says. And it's awesome. Uh, uh, John Cusack is in there as an FBI agent. He's really good. Dave Chappelle is in there briefly, but um, he gets killed about halfway through. So bless. Uh, Ving Rhames is in there as well. It's just, it's it's a pretty star-studded cast of character actors for the late '90s. Steve Buscemi is in there. He he get he gets one of the movie's best lines where the the prisoners have taken over the plane and he's just sitting there and they're dancing to Sweet Home Alabama by Led Zeppelin and he's like just define irony a a group of men dancing on a plane to a band that died in a plane crash and it's like hey he's got a point there and and the movie's just it's just a lot of fun Nicolas Cage gets a lot to do there's a line where where he's trying to figure out their plan and one of the prisoners sneaks down and goes through all the luggage and finds this toy bunny that, that Cameron Poe is going to give to his daughter. And Nicolas Cage, without a shred of irony, says, put the bunny back in the box. I'm not doing it justice. You have to see it for yourself. This movie is silly and just over the top, but at the same time, it's amazing. It, it's like, it's so cliche that it circles around itself and becomes something entirely new. Check it out if you haven't. That sounds crazy. Who knew we'd both pick Dave Chappelle movies? I, I know. <laughs> that man can get around, can he? Yeah, hey. Uh, yeah, that I've heard of it. Of course I've heard of it, but I actually I haven't seen it. Uh, but that does sound like fun, I have to say. Uh, well, to, uh, to take a, to use your words, another hard left. <laughs> My next choice is, uh, is the very sweet teen romantic comedy of Love, Simon, the coming of age story. Uh, this uh, is such a sweet movie about a young man who is trying to figure out how he can come out to his family, to his parents. And he starts writing to this person and that he knows goes to his high school 
uh, he, and, uh, he starts getting more and more invested kind of in this relationship and uh, trying to figure out who is this uh, person that he's writing to. And uh, it's just a very sweet movie. Uh, the, uh, the, you have Jennifer Garner and Josh DeHommel as his parents, and I think they do a great job. Nick Robinson as Simon, uh, Catherine Langford, who I love, she's really good. Uh, Alexander Ship is in this, she's good. Tony Hale as his principal. It's just a sweet, really heartfelt, sincere movie that makes you happy by the end that he's happy and um i don't know i just it's like a hug i can't imagine it if you're accepting it at all i can't imagine anyone disliking this movie <laughs> yeah i remember seeing this uh i remember seeing this movie because this was back when i would go like i would do a double feature when going to the theater to review movies i'd see it as i'd see a seven o'clock show and i'd see a ten o'clock show and on that particular night, I can't remember what I saw at the seven, but I remember seeing Love, Simon at 10 o'clock because I was thinking, okay, this is going to be better. So I'll see it at the seven. And then the 10 is like the second choice. Well, I can't really remember what I saw at the seven, but Love, Simon was definitely better than that. Uh, this movie was directed by Greg Berlanti, who has directed a great many things, but right now is like elbows deep into the Arrowverse at the minute on the CW. He just wrapped up uh he just wrapped up arrow but the flash legends of tomorrow and um, that's still going on like he's as much into the dc universe as jeff johns is like he's like he's up to his elbows and the stuff and uh and yeah i remember watching this movie and i was thinking to myself oh god this is like where he's going to come out as gay this is just going to i i mean i was optimistic but it was like it's going to be like super duper cliche and i just yeah. wasn't going to be a fan of it, but I was so surprised when I walk out, walked out of there like, oh my God, that was excellent. Like you, yeah. like you said, Rachel, every performance was really good. Jennifer Garner, Nick Robinson. My favorite scene in the movie is when Josh, du, Josh, Josh Duhamel, I know how to speak, and Nick Robinson have the scene together after Nick has come out and it's just yeah that's a really good scene it's the scene of josh duhamel's career and yeah. this is the same guy who was in transformers and life as we know it i i liked him a lot but he was like okay he's good this is where he was like he was excellent and just the dialogue between the two and just the understanding that they come to is just yeah. c'est magnifique it's it's yeah. brilliant yeah really really good i i do think that the uh the nerdy kid at school, the, the he's a lot. He's oh, very I, annoying. I, and I know he's supposed to be, but boy, they push it. That's the only real flaw I have with the movie that I'm just was, like. Was that the kid? Used... Was that the kid who spilled the beans? Yeah. And oh, I hated him. I was yeah, not a fan. I hated him so much, and they had so much of him, and I was just like, oh. I, mean, I wasn't I a fan of him. To... I wasn't a fan of him for a lot of reasons, but chief among them is like when simon told him about it and then he blackmailed simon for it i'm like yeah i'm not gay but i'm i'm imagining if someone were to come out to me as gay i would keep that secret like secret like under lock and key yeah. if they asked me to because this is their personal life like they're dealing with and yeah and, and i understand that he's supposed 
yeah i understand that he's supposed to be the antagonist but we just could have used a little less of him this movie didn't need an antagonist the yeah. the, the drama of simon trying to tell this secret to everybody in a graceful fashion is all the conflict we needed this movie yeah. didn't need a bad guy and and, it, and it's, it's hard and it's arguable that that kid is the bad guy but even still like the movie was fine with just Simon torturing himself over this secret and it finally slips out and then everything just falls apart only for it to come right back together. Like that would yeah. have been perfect. Yeah, no, it's true. I agree. Uh, all right. Well, what's your next pick? So my next pick is another high school movie and it's called Teen Wolf. Uh, this was released in 1985, the same year as Back to the Future. And it also stars Michael J. Fox. And as far as backstage stuff goes, when Michael J. Fox was filming this, Back to the Future was filming. But around this time, they had Eric Stoltz in the Marty McFly role, and unfortunately, that didn't work out. And Michael J. Fox famously said in an interview, that guy's over there working with Steven Spielberg, and I'm over here making Teen Wolf. So it's pretty safe to say that, uh, that Michael J. Fox was kind of slumming it for this one. But even still, I love this movie. I always have. Uh, it's got many funny moments in there when, when, when Scott Howard turns into the werewolf for the first time and his dad like meets him there and he's like, son, we need to talk about this. And he's like, no, we're not. And then, then they have the conversation in the morning and, and Scott's like, oh, and I'm supposed to, you know, eat raw chickens and, and steal babies at night. And he's like, and, and his father's like, no, it's nothing like that. Like he treats the situation how you or I would probably treat the situation. And there are a lot there are a lot of silly moments in here too, like when Scott Howard is just developing his powers and he goes into the liquor store and he's like, give me a keg of beer. And and the guy's like, here. <laughs> and and Boof is there like, what? Or not Boof, but Styles. Styles is like, wow, how did you get it? And I just said, just said, give me a keg, and they gave him to me. And there's the scene where where he's where where Scott Howard is dancing on top of the van to surf in USA in full werewolf mode. That's awesome too. This is very this is not like an excellent movie. This is not going to be this is not going to win any Oscars. This is very much a slice of like the of like what mid what the mid eighties looked like in movies, and mm -hmm. that's why I love it. It's really yeah. good. I haven't seen it, so I'll have to check it out. That sounds fun. Uh, I've it's one that I've I've been wanting to watch, but like you said, I just haven't seen. Uh, so my next choice actually also stars Eric Stoltz. So we're just, just showcasing him today, uh, <laughs> uh, and it is some kind of wonderful. And this movie, I think, is one of the more underrated John Hughes penned films, and I, I think. I don't know why it doesn't get the same kind of love that the breakfast club and some of these other films has uh, maybe because he didn't direct it. I don't know, but I think it's really good. And what I think is particularly good about it is that whereas in the breakfast club, the each of the characters is a, is an archetype and it works for the type of story that it is that you have the jock and you have the, the popular girl and you have the nerdy girl and the stoner and, and the sports, you know, the, guy and all that stuff and it works for that but in this case i think the characters are a lot more nuanced 
they aren't just archetypes because uh, you basically you have this kid Keith he wants to go to art school his dad thinks that's stupid and a waste of time and so he's frustrated and uh, he has this best friend named Watts played by Mary Stuart Wasterson obviously she's in love with him everybody knows that she's in love with him except for he doesn't realize it and uh, and that's classic trope of you know romances the uh, friends friends to lovers trope um but he is in love with this girl named amanda played by leah thompson she's super popular and it would have been very easy to make leah thompson's character a jerk make her a mean girl make her unlikable because obviously we want we want Eric Stoltz's character, Keith, to end up with Watts. So it would be easy to have made the other woman just shrew and terrible. But they didn't do that. They actually give her some character. They make her, you understand her, you like her. And uh, I just think for a high school movie, all three of these lead characters are very well done and, and nuanced, well-written characters, well-acted characters, chemistry between everybody. And there's a scene where, a uh, pretty iconic scene where uh, he asks uh, Watts to help him get practice kissing. <laughs> and so they have this kiss and it's a really good kiss. And <laughs> you think it would have been clued in there? Uh, but, but no. <laughs> no. Uh, it's really really good i love it and there's uh there's a character named hardy who's kind of a um uh a metal guy is super into to heavy metal and and tough but he's sweet on the inside and he's really good too and so i think it's one of the more underrated of that kind of uh group of movies i certainly like it but a lot better than 16 candles uh, I like better and pretty in pink. I mean, Breakfast Club, it's its own thing. But anyway, I think it's a lot better than a lot of those other movies that people talk about a lot. And uh, so I think it is a hidden gem. Yeah, this this was written by John Hughes. And this was yeah. around, this came out around the time when he was just like either in the middle of or coming off of his hot streak. You know, he yeah. had directed Breakfast Club and written that as well. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles came out the same year, if my memory serves me right. And we all know what that movie is, and that's awesome. Yeah, so, yeah and I don't know if it's just because he didn't direct it, if that's the reason why this one doesn't get the same acclaim as the others. But it also has, this This film also has, for Hallmark fans, Candace Cameron Bure plays Keith's sister. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. literally every one of those <laughs> movies of the That's right. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why this one doesn't get the same uh, praise as his others, but I think it's as good, if not better, if you ask me. Uh, but what is your last choice? So my last choice is uh, is a movie from 2013, and uh, this is a very depressing movie. It's a very serious movie, but I think it's of very it, it's of top quality. I th thought it was one of the best movies of 2013, and it is called Prisoners. This was directed by Denis Villeneuve, who went on to direct uh, Arrival, which I think is his best movie and one of the best Agreed. movies of the 2010s. 
and he also directed Blade Runner 2049, which was amazing, and he is going to be directing Doom. I mean, the jury's still out on that, but I have high hopes, but that's neither here nor there. This was my first exposure to Denis, and I fell in love with his style of directing almost immediately. Uh, this movie tells the story of a man named Keller Dover, whose daughter and her friend disappear on Thanksgiving night, and so he's desperate to find them, but they are nowhere to be seen. And the main detective, named Detective Loki, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, is on the case to try and help him out. This movie is, it's very, it's very tough to describe. It, it's one of those movies, you don't have, you don't go into electively without like a Rocky Balboa style training montage. It's two and a half hours. Like you're going in there, you're like, like, ah, I got a couple hours to kill. Let's turn on prisoners. Like, no, it's one of those movies where it's like, I'm ready. Let's do yeah. it. And, and you turn it on and you just suffer for two and a half hours. This is a very well-directed movie. Denis Villeneuve is, of course, one of the best going right now. And and in this movie, it just it's brutal sometimes. This is one of the best performances of Hugh Jackman's whole career. Like he's he can be lighthearted and he can sometimes be very like dark and serious. And this is definitely a dark and serious performance. About halfway through, he and Gyllenhaal have a scene together, and it is it's just it's just tough because the search has gone on for about six months and literally nothing. And Keller knows that, the, that his daughter is somewhere. They just can't remember how. And Gyllenhaal's giving him the talk of, we're looking everywhere, we're pursuing every lead. And he's just sick of it. And he screams at the top of his lungs, why aren't you looking for my daughter? And Gyllenhaal's like, we are doing everything that we can. And there's a lot of scenes where people are yelling at each other in cars, but I promise you it is worth it. I was, yeah. I was probably the wrong age to watch this movie because, because this was 2013 and I was like 15 or 16 and I was still kind of like, oh God. And so, so there's a few scenes involving the torture of the Paul Dano character that are definitely difficult watches. Like I said, I do not recommend this for everyone. you got to be knowing what you're going into in order to watch it. However, if you're going to watch it, and I do recommend that you do, you will be very impressed. I hope Dune is really good because to me, Denis Villeneuve has not made a bad movie. Blade Runner 2049 was amazing, and Arrival was my favorite movie of 2016. It was unbelievably good. So, that's Prisoners. It's really good. Yeah, I haven't seen it, I, but I do agree about Arrival. I think that is his best movie. And I, a lot of people maybe don't like the ending. I actually liked the ending. I thought it was helpful and, and good. But that's for another episode. Uh, so mine, talk about a left turn, mine, <laughs> final choice, <laughs> is another rom-com. It's called Plus One. In this movie, it stars Maya Erskine and Jack Quaid. And they basically, they, pay, they play acquaintances who get invited to six different weddings, I believe it is, over the course of uh, a, uh, an extended summer, kind of. 
and they decide that they're going to help each other out and be each other's plus ones for the course of these weddings. And uh, of course, as they they start out, kind of, it's kind of an enemies to lovers trope, and they start out not really liking each other very much, but they'll you know put up with each other for these weddings, and of course, then then they grow to like each other more and more this is an r-rated film so it definitely has its raunchy moments but i think that jack quaid is super charming in it he uh, he's definitely got some of the same appeal of his dad and uh, i think that uh, my erskine is very funny and charming in it as well i think they do have good chemistry together i think it's a funny script and uh, I would say it's it's definitely a hidden gem. It's one that I don't, I don't think that many people saw when it came out. Uh, but um, but yeah, it's a it's a it's one of those examples of a premise we've seen a bunch of times before, similar ideas, um, but done really well and with with a really charming young cast. Does this uh, Jake Quaid have any uh, relation to Dennis? Yes, to son. Oh, good. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So, um, let's see here. Sorry. Um, yeah, he's the uh, child of Meg Ryan and Je- and Dennis Quaid. Oh, cool. So, yeah. he's definitely so, got some acting genes in him. That's right. And he's very charming. I, I think he's got a ton of potential to be a big star. I guess that he's very popular in the, uh, in the boys show uh, oh. on Amazon, the boys. I, I haven't seen it, but I heard yeah, it's quite good. I enough. haven't either, but I've heard it's good. Yeah. So anyway, I think he could be a big name in the future. He's going to be in the new Scream movie too. So, uh, but yeah, if you haven't seen Plus One and you can handle a rated R romantic comedy, then I think you'll enjoy you'll enjoy it. So there we go. We did it. <laughs> we talked about Hulu. So let us know what you've been watching about on Hulu and what you think of the service and what you think of these movies that we recommended. We kind of had it all over the place this this uh, week. And if you have a streaming service you'd like us to talk about, we would love to hear your suggestions in the comments section. And so Ryan, where can people find you? They can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at RyanCam20. Then there's, of course, my YouTube channel, which is just called Ryan Cam. I'd like to say thank you to everybody who checked out my videos for Grave of the Fireflies and My Neighbor Totoro. They did far better than I expected them to go, and so thank you all for that. Those were fantastic movies to watch. This coming Sunday, I was going to review all the Twilight movies, but just can't work myself up to do it. So I'm going to talk about another movie that I think is really underrated, but I think nobody really talks about. It's a movie from 2011, and it's called Hannah. It's a movie I've wanted to do a deep dive on for very long, for a very long time. And so that's going to be coming this Sunday, the 14th. And then I'll also be releasing AFI Project videos for Sullivan's Travels, or not Sullivan's Travels, uh, American Graffiti, which was George Lucas's very first movie. And then, and then after that will be, and then after that will be Cabaret. <laughs> mm. Well, very fun. Yeah, definitely y'all should check out Ryan's channel. It's really good. Good stuff going on over there. 
And make sure you're following me at Rachel's Reviews all over social media, iTunes, YouTube, and everywhere that you can listen to podcasts. And uh, make sure you're following also the Hallmarkies podcast. We've got interviews, we've got recaps, got lots of fun stuff going on over there. And I hope you enjoyed my coverage of Sundance. I had a lot of fun talking to all the animators at Rotoscopers. That was really fun. So lots of good stuff going on. And thanks again. And we'll talk to you all later. Bye, everybody. Bye.